another episode of the Behind the You podcast, and it's tourney time. It's March Madness, man. It's a great time of year, so we got to talk to one of the one of the all-time hoopers at the U, Angel Rodriguez, and it, it, it's uh, it's March. It's a tournament. Angel took the Canes to the tournament, uh, a, a nice run with the U. So, Angel, I appreciate you doing this all the way from Puerto Rico. It's a pleasure, Josh. Anything, again, anything for the U, and, and I'm excited to talk about it. So let me just ask you, let me just ask you with that, because not only are you, are, you know, have you said it here, but you said it to me just when we were exchanging texts. Why anything? Why do you feel that way? Why anything for the U? You know, I just think for me personally, like, like, obviously, everybody knows, every alumni knows that once you leave the U, it's, it's just such a brand that you're automatically connected, right? Like any, anytime I see somebody wearing a U uh, hat or U shirt, whatever, I'm like, it's all about the U, whatever. <laughs> but for me, it's more like it's deeper than that, right? Like that's, that's home. That's, that's our community. Um, and so I, I'll forever, you know, people ask me, yo, how was it um, K-State and the U? And I'm like, listen, I had a very, very, very good time at K-State, accomplished a lot of stuff, met great people, the fans were incredible, right? Like coming out of out of uh, high school, I, I always wanted to experience that that college lifestyle, that college passionate fans and stuff like that. And so I got to do that, and I'm very thankful. And then, you know, on the flip side, you go to Miami, and so now it's a little bit deeper because I know there's a lot of uh, Hispanics, um, a lot of kids that. I would, I would see them, I, we would work camp with them. And now I, I see them and they're like graduating uh, high school or whatever the case might be. So it's, 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 it's a deeper connection, it's, it's longer term. And so it's, it's always gonna be a special place to me. How fun, well, well for, before we get into that, what, what do you, just tell everybody, what, so you're in Puerto Rico. So why don't we just tell everybody what you're up to to get everybody cut up to speed? Yeah, um, you know, right now I'm in Puerto Rico playing in the league here, it's, um, Usually the the only pretty good league in the world that's that's played in the summer, aside from the NBA summer league, obviously. But um, so obviously with the pandemic and everything, kind of got shifted. So I'm I'm getting ready to to start playing here before I head back to Europe. Got willing again. So Europe Europe's the plan for next year. Yeah. How do you like playing over there? I love it. I, I, you know, it's, it's never easy. It's always a, a big adjustment, obviously like the culture, the language, maybe the weather, just everything in general, the food, everything is different, but you know, I left Puerto Rico when I was 15 to go to Miami. Um, so I'm used to being away from home. Then I left Miami to go to Kansas, completely different lifestyle. And so I, I, I just, I, I'm open-minded. I, I, think of the positive I embrace you know new new things um I love to learn and so I know this basketball window is very small in our life so why not travel the world to play ball and get paid I mean kidding me I'll deal with that yeah nothing wrong with that from in my life it's doing this podcast talking to people about hoops and and getting paid yeah (laughs) I can't I can't play but uh, we can certainly talk about it. What I was going to ask you, Angel, was how awesome is the t- this time? If you're a college basketball player, how awesome is this time of year? It's the best, man. It's, it's you know, even obviously when you walk in the arena and the fans are there and you see the TV and everything, 
see the games on TV and everybody is kind of like rowdy and all of that. Obviously, everybody knows that. But once March hits, man, there's something about there's something in the atmosphere that even when you walk into the empty arena, but, you know, it's tournament time, it feels like there's excitement. Like if like if it was sold out, like you, you your energy is now at an all time high and all you're going to do is shoot around like. It's just completely different, man. It's, you, you can't really explain it. Once you live it, you understand it. But it's, it's, it's very, very special. So walk me through Selection Sunday. Even if you know you're in or you have a good idea you're in, still, that moment when you see either Miami or the U flash up on the screen, CBS, that's still Big deal, a great man. feeling. Right, it's, it's a huge deal. Even if you know, it's still there's something about seeing it, right? Absolutely. It's, it's, it's almost like I compare it to, you know, when guys get drafted, they know, okay, you're going to be in the green room. You're going to get drafted lottery pick probably. So it's almost like, you know, but you still want to know more specifics. So once you see the brackets getting filled up and, and then your, your, your team gets called, you, you see the matchup, and that's when everything really starts. You're like, oh, yes, like, yes, we're playing them. I, I know we match up well with them or we've seen them so many times on TV, like we got it. Or, hey, sometimes even, even the competitive side of you is just like, damn, like, I, uh, this, this is going to be a tough matchup. But So what do you think? Not- it was Buffalo, right? It was Buffalo for you guys, right? Yeah, Buffalo. So as soon as we matched up with Buffalo, I knew right away that it, it wasn't going to be a cakewalk because they've been there before. They've done that. They, they, if I'm not mistaken, they upset somebody uh, the, the year prior or two years ago. So And they had, they had the same – their point guard was actually their star player that year as well. So sometimes when you don't watch the team on TV, it could be a – it could be a – uh, a bad thing because now you feel like, well, it's smaller conference. Right. They don't play on TV. We don't see them often, blah, 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 blah. And that's when the upset happens. Well, thankfully we didn't see them on TV ever, to be honest, but we knew, you know, what they were about. We knew the, the coach uh, they had at the time, you know, we, we knew everything about them. And, and so at the same time, again, we had a, we had a veteran group. So we, once you know it's your last year and you have a couple of guys that think like that, no game is taken for granted, you know? And so that and you had I been there, right? I mean, you had been to the tournament with Kansas state, hadn't you? Yeah. Both years. So you know what that, so you like, I imagine for you, I'm some guys don't know, but for you, even though you'd been there, that feeling doesn't get old, right? You got, I'm sure you, to the, to the people that hadn't been there, I would imagine you're like, guys, this is awesome. Embrace it, but we got to work. Yeah, no, I mean, as a matter of fact, when I was with K-State my sophomore year, we were in a, a two-seed. And so we played LaSalle. Uh, we saw them on TV the first game because they had that playing game. And so we came thinking it's going to be a cakewalk. And we got sent home the very first game. It's not <laughs> like the feeling was freaking brutal. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so I learned my lesson. I mean, they ended up making it to the elite A, so they they obviously they were right. the legit team. But it, the feeling sucks. And so not only was I a senior, but earlier in my college career, I had experience 
experienced that. So I was like, no, there's no way this is happening again. So let's get it. So coach L says you need, you need, or you needed, uh, uh, a challenge, right? You're just highly competitive. So you, cause you, the only reason, and I bring this up because you mentioned, but you knew Buffalo had a good point guard. So I imagine you were locked in. Yeah, no, no. I take every, every matchup. I take a personal, especially on the defensive side. Like I'm, I'm, I'm confident with my offensive skills, you know, against anybody. And I think there's a lot of players that could probably be taller than me or, a little bit more skill or shoot it better or whatever. But what separates me, man, is that I take the matchup personal. So on a defensive end, I'm a, I'm a, I'm, it's going to be a hell for you. Like you're going to have to earn every single bucket. And every time you score, it's almost like I get pissed. Nobody sees it, but I get pissed. So I don't want, you know, I don't want you to look like the typical you. I got you. So what's it like, um, you know, I, I, during your time, I did not broadcast uh, the radio games. Prior to you, I had broadcast for like 10 years doing basketball. The only reason I bring that up is uh, under Coach Haith, we went to the tournament. And just the whole atmosphere, leaving, getting on the bus, when you get into the new city, you walk into the hotel, you know, the hotel staff is lined up. Maybe the cheering band got there ahead of you. They're playing the fight song. They're playing the CBS tournament. It's like, it's, it's an amazing, it's just unbelievable and you don't know that right i didn't know that i'm like oh my god this is awesome right that's 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 exactly what i was saying like pe people just typically see oh the, the the gym is packed like you know the excitement in the arena everything prior like the arena the hotel you go and get breakfast or you check in the hotel like you said there's a band or you leaving for the game, there's a band and the, the, the dance team and fans. And, and you're just like, yo, I'm walking literally from the hotel lobby to the bus, which is about 10 feet away. Right. There's like everybody like, oh, let's go. And, you know, you automatically, boom, get game mode. Like, you know, you check in and you see all the, 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 the school logos and March Madness and this and that. And it's just like, it's just completely different during the regular season. You, you check into a hotel, just like any other guest, nothing, nothing, nobody, a few people, no. me, a few people in the lobby, mate, you might get a high five or a picture yeah, from somebody. So, yeah. What so, do you got? Or what do you got? What are you guys doing here? You guys play basketball? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously that. Oh, you look kind of tall. I mean, not to me, but you look kind of, right, you yeah. know, so it's, it's just, it's completely different, man. The dynamic of it is amazing. Um, so you mentioned, uh, you know, you take it personal defensively. So after you beat Buffalo, you guys play Wichita State, Fred Van Fleet. Um, what was your mindset there? And also afterwards, he I think he came out and basically said you kicked his butt, more or less. Yeah. So yeah. and you and you went off that game. You went off that game. So, you know, that dude's in the NBA, right? I mean, the guy's a big time dude. He was a big time dude back then. Obviously, Wichita State is not like Buffalo, but it's also not the ACC. But they're also obviously a a you know, if you follow hoops, it's a good program. But so what did how did you approach Van Fleet, Wichita State in that second round game? Well, first of all, I was always um, a fan of his because I can relate with the size, the game style and the underdog mentality. Right. Wichita State, not the biggest conference, but with him, Ron Baker and those guys, they had a dynasty for those four years. Yep. I think they made it to the final four twice, if I'm not mistaken, or one final four, one elite A. So it, it was, it was, 
nobody can deny, right? Like how good those guys were. And so again, the competitive side of me was, I, res I respect you. Um, and, and I, and I love watching you play, but now we're going to go, to but, but <laughs> I respect you, but, but now it's gold time. And so, um, I don't remember that they, they did an interview, right? Like every, like every, uh, team has to do a pregame interview the day before or whatnot when you're shooting around. And so they asked him something about matching up against us and he was, I don't remember word by word, but it was something uh, somewhere around the lines of, you know, we respect them, but we're not really worried about anybody, something like that. And so uh -oh. that was, that uh -oh. was enough. That was enough. That was enough for me. And not that I needed it, but it never hurts to have extra motivation, you know, and we did what we had to do and obviously ended up earning his respect. He still has mine love watching him play in the league and doing all of that. So, but that was, that was probably one of the funnest games I've been a part of because again, they, they had a resume we didn't have as far as like in the tournament. And so we came in the first half on fire and then they came the second half and punches right back. And so it came down to the wire and Really, it was it was like a two game possession, uh, two possession game, um, and the fans that just everything in general. It felt like that one game you win in a tournament. It feels like you you you've been on a ten ten game winning streak. You know, like that's how meaningful these games are. So all this comp this competitive nature of yours, where, where, where does that where did that come from? That <laughs> hyper competitiveness. I think just growing up here in Puerto Rico, man, like. Here is, is, I always say it is a concrete jungle. Like you, you have to have tough skin. You got to stand up a lot for yourself early on because everybody kind of makes fun of each other, joking around, never really trying to break you mentally or anything. Just it's part of the culture. And so again, once I moved to the States, I was always obviously one of the better players here or whatever. Once I moved to the States, I'm, I start to realize, well, I'm, always the shortest, like these guys dunk since ninth grade, 10th grade. And so all of that just kind of added to, to me feeling like an underdog, just basically coming from such a small island, you know? And was basketball, like when were you introduced to basketball? Like was basketball always the number one? Um, after about, I was 90, 90 years old, it became number one. I always liked sports in general. I, I, I uh, throughout high school, I did volleyball. I, you know, did different sports, baseball before I played basketball, whatever. But basketball was always the funnest to me because it's up and down. It's nonstop. Baseball was too slow. And volleyball, again, you don't, it's just a different dynamic. It's, it's pretty intense, but you don't really run up and down and stuff like that. So I, I stuck with basketball and, been doing good so talk to me about the concrete jungle like how how difficult was your upbringing if it was i mean if i compare it to someone here it's, it's obviously going to be the typical um i i wouldn't say that i grew up like i i always had a meal 
you know, that that was never, I thank God, that was never a struggle for us. But now that I look back and I see a couple of my friends, kids or whatever, like cousins or whatever, now I see the difference of, wow, like this is really how I grew up. Like, you know, just limited on stuff. Like if I got a brand new pair for, for the new school year, right, that, 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 those shoes were for school. Because if you wear them to just go to the playground and play with your friends, they're going to get messed up and you're not going to get new ones. You're going to have to use them, wear them like that for a while. Right. So, and, and obviously there's still a lot of people, that's just a, a minor example that I can give you, you know, like now you have multiple pairs, you don't care. Your kids has multiple pairs. It doesn't stock matter. X, you gotta go to stock X, you, you know, up. like it's completely different game now. But that's not how, how we grew up. Like, I would remember I had friends that they have multiple pairs and they'll give me one. And I'm just so grateful. Like, wow, like now I have a pair to play with my friends and I won't have to, and I won't mess up the ones to go to school. Like, you know, we didn't have a lot, but we didn't need a lot to be happy. You know, I was, I was always a happy kid. And, and I always say it like, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed. I'm in a better position now, but to me, what makes me happy is just like my family, you know, being healthy, just the simple things, not, nothing, nothing else. Everything else is just a plus. So you grew up without your father pretty much, correct? I did. I did. He, he was, he was killed when I was two. So any memories? That's a really young age. It's a really young age. I mean, we have pictures and stuff like that, obviously, but if I, if I, say to you yeah i remember him I'll, I'll be lying and if i if i have this right he was he was basically murdered right he was yes was, so what what how was that story ultimately recounted to you by by either someone in your family like how did you learn of actually what happened it took time it took time because i always was curious you know like i would tell my mom like like but what about this like how come this and it's almost like she never gave me the clear, like the full story. Maybe she was protecting me. Maybe she would get sad thinking about it because at the time she was 18. No, she was 19. And so obviously that's a lot to digest for a 19 year old. Right. Like, and I understand, but um, then I would ask my uncle, which is my, my dad's brother, he would tell me more stories. And then I would ask my mom, oh, he said this, uh, but it was never like, a, I, I was never pressing my mom. Like, you have to tell me. It was more like curious, like, mom, like, why are you, I mean, he was my dad. Like, I'm allowed to know, you know what I mean? So it never, it never really, again, it's, it's crazy because again, my wife says, sometimes you, you, do you not have feelings? Like, and I'm just like, I mean, it's, it's just, if I don't remember him, right. how can I cry or something? You know what I mean? Now I do remember sometimes when I would be a teenager, early, early teens, um, I'll see uh, kids, let's say we're at a wedding, family wedding and everybody's, they had to grab their dad or something, whatever the case. And then those times I would kind of feel like, damn, like something is missing. But again, I thank God that I just kind of focus on, whatever at, at the time made me happy. And so I've, I've had that approach ever since. And last thing on this, when you find, when you finally heard the truth, whoever told it to you, 
how'd you process that? Like, like what actually happened to your dad? Well, I, I always knew the truth, right? I knew he got murdered. I um, yeah, I, I just didn't know, right? Like details on why, what he was involved, what led to that. Like, that's what was kind of missing. But I always, from the beginning, I knew the truth. I got you. And does that, does, does so being a father, because you said uh, before we started, you have a, I think you said you had a three-year-old, right? Yeah. Son. So is, uh, I guess you're blessed to be a, right? You can be a father and involved in your son. I, I had, does that strike you a little bit different only because you didn't have your father in your life? You know, I, I, obviously it's not something that I think about every day or, but growing up, I always said, you know, once I'm, I become a dad, like I'm going to be a hundred percent there. Like I'm going to make the biggest effort ever to be there, to be this kind of person, this kind of dad or whatever. And a lot of my qualities, it's my mom says, wow, like your dad used to be like that. Like, cause I'm, I'm very like, are you hands on? Yeah. I'm very hands on. Like, the morning shift is mine. I wake yeah. up and um, before now we take him to, to school, like mommy, like, 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 like a little daycare. Right. I, you know, I'm the one that makes breakfast. I'm the one that I always got to take him. My wife obviously comes in the car with me, but I make sure that I'm always, I, I, before he even went to school, I told my wife, I want the morning shift because I want to be the first person he sees every day. Like, and I take pride on being a dad, you know, like, I could have a bad game or a bad day or whatever. And then when I get home, it's like, let me go play with my son. Let me be fun with him. So he doesn't. So I try my best. What do you make for breakfast? What's he eating? Anything good? I mix it up. I mix it up. <clears throat> Oatmeal, eggs, avocado toast. Ah, um, avocado Pancakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pancakes. Whatever, whatever you know. Um, but as far as breakfast, I'm, I'm, I, uh, I do a little bit better than other meals. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I, I, uh, I'm on the morning shift too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on the morning shift too. So um, it, it's a good, it's a good place to be. All right. So obviously the story goes, you grow up in Puerto Rico, you come to Miami, right? It, I think it's about 15 years old. So yeah. my curiosity was how'd that even come to be? Like who found you, right? You know, why was that even discussed? Why, why was the option even like, hey, Angel, you should come to Miami? Can you like walk me through the details of like how that even gets presented to you or your family that that's even the way you should go, that you should leave the island and come to the States? Like, how does that even happen? Yeah, it was a crazy story. I'm, uh, it's, it has a lot of details, but I, I'll, I'll keep it short. No, that's, um, that's a pocket. You know, this, that's the beauty of the podcast. Share as much as you want. <laughs> so... I have a very, very good friend who's about four years older than me. And he, his, his, uh, his parents, he, he's got family in the States. He went to school in St. Patrick's in New Jersey, freshman year or sophomore year. And then his, his uh, grandmother lived in Miami before she passed away. Um, so his dad lived in Miami as well for a couple of years or whatever. <clears throat> so he ended up transferring to uh, a school in Miami called Dr. Crop. Um, who's your friend? Just so someone we would know if we know, if we know basketball, is it someone we would know? Yeah. He, so he ended up playing college in, uh, in North Carolina state. His name is Javi Gonzalez. So he played in ACC familiar with obviously okay. the league yep. and all of that. 
And so he had a very good experience with his time in Miami, like in high school. And so we, we happen to play in the same club here in Puerto Rico for the same coaches and everything. And so he basically in the summer when he would come, he said to, uh, he would come watch me play. And sometimes they'll put me to play with the older kids as I started getting better and better and better. And so we played a tournament together, a couple games, nothing crazy. Maybe like he was here for like a month or whatever. And so he saw something in me that he liked. He saw some potential. We got along, you know, as, as, as friends too. And so he, he brought it up to me like, Hey, like, do you, do you ever think of going like to the States? And, and I'm like, bro, it's always been a dream of mine, but I don't have a connection. So he's like, let me help you. Like, mind you, this, this is happening. How, late so how, June. How, how old are you? At the time I was 15. And he's, and he's in high school still, or he's at NC state already. He's at NC State already. So okay. when I graduated high school, he graduated college. So he I was gotcha. about four years academically. Ahead. So, but at, at this time of the story, he's just starting NC State and you're, I guess, almost just starting high school or maybe a year in the high school, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was, right. I was a freshman. Got it. And so he brings it up to me and he's like, listen, it's, it's late June. School <laughs> starts in August. Mind you, the relationship that I have with my mom is, you know, I, I was, I lost my dad. She became very attached to me, so blah, blah, blah. And so um, immediately I bring it up to my mom, like, hey, there's, I don't know, he mentioned this. Like, she's like, oh, don't start with your madness. Like, you're, you're always, you know, with this crazy ideas. Cause I was always like, oh, I'm gonna go to my friend's house where you have a tournament. And I was always out and about. And so she would do well with that. She she hated it because I was rarely home. I was always doing something, tournaments, playing, whatever. And um, so she immediately is like, relax. Like, you're, you, here you go with your crazy ideas. So a couple of days pass by and he tells me like, listen, I spoke to the people in Jersey, which is obviously a very pre prestigious school for basketball. But obviously the weather like snowing blah, blah 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 or you can go to Miami I had a great time spoke to the coach he would love to see you it's a little bit closer gave me all the details at the time I don't know so obviously he has to share all these details so I can present them to my mom so she starts asking questions I'm like listen I don't know all the details I'm just sharing with you I'm a, just a kid you know and the idea was crazy to her she was already terrified of letting me go and so Which I imagine you can understand, right? Absolutely. Not now that I look back, I'm like, wow. <laughs> imagine, like your, my... imagine your kid came to you and was like, hey, dad, I'm thinking about going to this. Well, you know, different set of right. You'd be like, well, it's a little different now. But you're right. Like you can only. Yeah, imagine. it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. And the reason why I bring this stuff up, Angel, is because it's part of your story. Right. Um, and there's other people that have, story, you know, not always exactly the same, but I'll just throw it into the category of heart hardship or difficulty or sacrifice like it's not normal that people would just uproot for for the sake of betterment or life or sport right right and so this conversation is real it's not a, it's you know oh he just left and went to puerto rico i mean right to the States at 15 without his mom to play basketball right like it is kind of insane a stranger with a stranger right. because even even if he was you're gonna play for a coach that you know or live with this person or whatever 
they're still strangers. Like you just right. met them or you're going to meet them days before you go. And so everything happened so fast. Obviously she was not having it. And I had to involve my grandfather, who's obviously her dad and has Did a big influence. It? Did you want it? Yeah, yeah, I really wanted him. You wanted it, yes. okay. Really bad. That's why gotcha. I had to, you know, involve him. And he kind of gave her the, pers- the, the perspective of, listen, like, you know how everything is here. Like, everything can change real quick if you say no to him. And then things don't go well for him here after, you know, about now, but you don't know about two years after. You don't know what his life is going to turn out to be like. You don't know if he's going to like say, you know what, I'm going to just find the easy way and, you know, look for the street stuff, easy money. Does You, you never know. So he kind of put that in her head and she's like, and he's like, you're going to have to live with whatever comes after. As in right now, I know it's still, obviously a big it's a big deal to let him go but it's like high risk high reward as in here you there's really a here the thing is once you hit a certain age everything everybody starts doing the same thing the ambitious the ambition kind of just disappears and so he basically convinced her to let me go within a month so we have now we have to um, fly to Miami so the coach can see me. We can meet them in person. She can see where I'm going to live and all those details. And so everything started moving so fast. Next thing Who'd you, you know, live with? Who'd you live with? You said it was a stranger. Yeah. yeah. A stranger so, to you, obviously. Yeah. So I lived with different people. The first, the first year I had to live with one of the teammates. Um, and every year was, I lived with two different families but they were both teammates so they they uh, until this day I have a great relationship with them I'm truly thankful they changed my life forever so it, it turned out to be completely fine um they took care of me like no other but again we I grew up with not a lot but if there's something that I had was my mom doing everything like I, I never had to really were about doing the dishes and none of that. If I would do them, it's because I wanted to, not because my mom made them. Like she spoiled us in that way. And so from one day to another, I'm like, hey, I have a washer here. I'm, what do I do? Like, <laughs> there's no FaceTime at the time, no Skype right. still. Like, um, did you speak? Um, did you speak any English when you got? I over didn't speak. No, I didn't speak any English at all. So. Thankfully, that's why I chose Miami, too, because I knew the transition was going to be a right. little bit easier. Better weather, still the culture was not going to be as crazy, especially when you're young. You you adapt a little bit faster. And, yeah, I mean, it was it, it, it was crazy, but it made me grow up even faster. And, and I always wanted to be different. I wanted to be different than what my family did. I wanted to think different. I wanted to, you know, just see a different world so maybe I can help the next generation be different and we kind of continue to make each other better. You know, you mentioned it was a dream. I think you were, when you were telling the story about how the, how you got here, that it, when he started, when your friend planted the seed, you're like, man, that's a dream. I don't, I always wanted. So why would, where did that seed of that dream to go play in the States? Where did that start with you? Like, why was, why was getting to the States <laughs> important to you to play ball? Because I knew that it doesn't matter how good you are here in Puerto Rico scouts from 
big schools are not typically going to spend time here. They're going to go to the tournaments in Vegas where they have the top prospects. And, and so in a way you're limiting yourself. Yeah. You can get a, you can get a D one offer, but it's probably going to be low major. So now again, you're, it's already, it's already enough adversity coming from here. So if you choose to stay here, it, the, the road is going to be higher, which I don't mind, but why not? What happens? What would have happened if you would have stayed? Like what, your career, how does basketball, like what's the next step in basketball if you had stayed in Puerto Rico? How does that evolve? I, I think at, at some point I would have just looked, I'm, I'm very ambitious. And so I think at some point I would have just kind of just looked for something else that's going to, I wasn't, I, I know myself. You weren't going to stay. I, you weren't going to stay. No, and I wasn't going to be living with my mom and not having a job. So the moment you get a job, that's taking time away from oh. basketball, from, and so everything that the whole thing, like everything was going to change, you know, but I know for a fact, I wasn't going to stay home and just say, no, I'm going to make it like something is going to, I was going to be like, all right, I'm going to continue to do ball. I believe in myself, but I also have to, you know, start working. Like I, I want to be independent. I want to move by myself one day. And so just everything was going to change. So when you got to the States, uh, I guess you're a sophomore, right? Playing ball right before the school year. Yeah. Um, you're, you're at Dr. Crop. You're, you're on this team. I don't know when, I don't know if you start playing with them, if it's fall, whatever. The, I guess the bottom line is, you first start playing with your teammates or you first start playing ball in the States with whomever you're playing with and you are better than everyone else. You're trying to figure it out. Like where, like where did you fit in from a just purely basketball standpoint once you got here? Um, purely basketball, I was better than most. <clears throat> so that had to help, than... right? That had to help. Your yeah, transition. of course. Of course. In, in all aspects, not just in basketball, but making friends it's easier when you're in high school you you're a good player everybody's gonna want to be your friend you know how that goes so it made every it made everything better it, you know if i had to get a ride okay i i met enough people to to get around and so um i took advantage of that in in a positive way like i again i appreciate friendships and we're always like my wife and i have always Hey, come over. Let's have a glass of wine. Like, so when, when I was a kid, I always, this is natural in me to have a lot of friends. And, um, but yeah, I mean, going back to that, I was, I was ahead as far as basketball. Now I think what I needed to work on was adjusting to the uh, athleticism. Like guys are extremely athletic in high school and, and in the States and in Puerto Rico, I don't know, the, the center in high school was going to be like 6'4", max, you know, like in high school, that's a wing. Like, that's, so that was, that, was, that was now the thing that I needed to adjust. I saw guys lifting weights already. I, I hadn't touched weights ever. So it was, it was, it was not a skill. Uh, like the, the challenge was not the skills. It was adjusting to the pace of the game communicate with my teammates you know luckily I had one Hispanic guy that would translate but now they had to get used to coach explaining the drill in English or the plays and in then Spanish. saying it to me in Spanish so but it, it, it worked out it worked out for the best I, everybody respected it and I, I can't complain like my teammates they'll make fun of me when, when I started learning a little bit 
they'll start making fun of me. Obviously, I messed up a lot. And it had to get to a point where I was like, listen, like, I don't mind you making fun of me, but correct me, like, after. If not, we're going to have to end up fighting because this is just, I'm not taking the whole, you're laughing at me and not helping me at the end, you know? And so they ended up helping me. So let's talk about your coach, Shaky Rodriguez. Shaky Rodriguez, RIP. Legendary, RIP, obviously. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll just a legend when it comes to high school hoops in, in, in South Florida. You mentioned yeah. very at the very beginning of this, like being a, being Hispanic, being a Latino in the in the sport of basketball. How much did it help having him? A lot, man. I I think obviously for me, um, we're able to speak and understand each other, right? So that's first and foremost. Literally. Literally. Literally speak and understand each other. Not like, oh, I know where he's coming from. Like, literally just communicate. Right, right. Um, but also, I think, number two, his, he knew that I left Puerto Rico for one thing only, and it was basketball. So he wasn't the type to say, yeah, you're a big deal. You're amazing. Like, I could drop 30 and 12 assists. And he'd be like, good game today. Like, that was the most you were going to get. So it, he kept you humble. He kept you hungry. He, he, he made you feel like you have, you have, to work, you have a, lot to, a lot of work to do. You still got a long way to go. And so that helped me because, especially with today's uh, culture, like everybody, every kid is used to being idolized and so much, like they're attention seekers and, Shaky didn't let that happen. Like nothing. If if you had to be at a place at a certain time, and we were with him, if you're not ready, he'll leave because he was gonna teach you a lesson that hey, figure it out. You know, you're a grown man now. And so, also in that way, it was tremendous. You know, and then and then also, he had everybody's respect. So if he recommended you, everybody knew that he wasn't doing no favor. It was, it was real. You know, whatever he said, if you were good, he'd say you're good. If you were so-so, he'd say, ah, oh, he's so-so. He, was, he wasn't going to lie for anybody. And so I think he had all the qualities that I, that I needed from a coach and a mentor when I, when I left Puerto Rico. So when did you start getting recruited? Um, man, right away. I think the first the, – so I had a uh, – I obviously – Moved in August, started school right away. The moment school was done and we started playing uh, AAU, even though it was local tournaments, a couple of good teams would come and I, and I would do really well. So immediately I started getting um, offers. The first big offer that I got was Kansas State with Frank Martin at the time. And that was after my junior year. After after uh, after my junior year, then everything else just started coming together. You know, the school started calling, and everybody would you would notice more scouts would come to the games and the campus to visit and talk to me or shaky about me and so on and so on. So that was super inspiring. So were you drawn to Coach Martin at all because of shaky? Like I am, like that relationship did that help move that process along? 
I'm assuming um, also I'm assuming also their interest, of course, helps too. But like being just your whole background, your story, everything we talked about, did being that it was Frank and part of that lineage, did that help? Yeah. Um, but to be honest, I, I never the decision of me going to play for Frank in K-State wasn't about Frank being a Shakey's good friend. It was more like, and that's another thing that I liked about Shakey. He, he was always very real. It's always about what I wanted, what I think was best for me. He'll give me his opinion, but I had the decision to make. He was never forcing anything on me. And so I appreciate that. I appreciated that about him. But I think at the time, Kansas State had the whole package. Like, I didn't see the U as uh, some, somewhere that I wanted to go because coming out of high school, I wanted to have that college experience. Remember, I knew Duke and Carolina for the most part. So Duke and Carolina have the crazy fans. In Miami, you compete against a lot of stuff. Clubs, nightlife, the heat, the dolphins. You know, there's just so much to do. So it's a completely different dynamic. And so Kansas State had that, first of all. Second of all, Frank Martin, even though I spoke a little bit better English, like I was able to get by, I was still very limited. And so Frank obviously speak Spanish. And so that was a big plus. Um, third of all, Dennis Clemente was there at the time. Oh, that's right. That's guy right. from Puerto Rico who actually went to the U. Yes, transfer. that's right. That's um, right. So he did this, what I did, but backwards. Kansas State, right. Miami, Miami, Kansas State. And and Dennis was killing. They made it to the, to the Elite Eight. And I saw how much freedom he had playing. And so that played a big role. They played in a big time conference that obviously meant a lot. And, and also they were a top 10 team in the country. So I was like, I mean, and when I was coming out of high school, I, I never wanted to, the other school that I really wanted to go to was Louisville. But at the time they had a couple guards that I had to probably come off the bench for two years. And I was like, I need to maximize, you know, my, my, my opportunity from the beginning. And so Kansas State had basically a wide open, uh, at the time it was Will Spratling, but he was more of a two that was playing the one. And so I knew that I could start right away from my freshman year. So I took advantage of that. And so it ended up being great because Will Spratling ended up moving to the two at some point. I started at the point. He was the wing player and the chemistry was great. Uh, we shared the big 12 with, with uh, Kansas. So just everything in general just made more sense to go to Kansas State coming out of high school. And then you said you got to Manhattan, Kansas, and you were like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. And then I go my visit, and I go freezing, but I'm like, oh, it's cool. Like, I'm focusing on, wow, like, everything, the culture here, even the garbage can, the garbage trucks are purple. Like, this is amazing. <laughs> and then once you move there, you forget that a visit is just two days, and then the 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 – you yeah, gotta no. actually live there. You're like, no cafecito, no. Yeah, I'm like, what, what? What am I doing here? This is completely different. But you know, it's there's beauty in everything. Of course, of course. Um, how would you rank the intensity of Frank Martin versus Shaky Rodriguez versus Coach L? <laughs> Frank was Frank, man. Frank, you know the thing about Frank is either he'll make you or break you because 
he's always going to expect 100% from you. And some guys aren't used to getting, giving 100% all the time. It's whenever they feel like it. 80 is not enough for him. 80 might be enough for some coaches, not for him. And so when you, when you, when I look back, I'm like, Frank just really expects greatness, which is great. Now he's, I'll say one thing on the court, he's super intense and demands a lot from you, but the moment you step, he steps away from the, from the court, completely different human being. I call him a teddy bear. Like whatever he needs to do for you, he'll do like, he's very caring. Um, it's just, he'll listen to you. Um, and so I, I appreciated that a lot, of, a, a lot about him. Some guys don't understand that, you know, they think, oh, he's crazy. And oh no, he's very approachable, very smart, very caring um shaky was intense when he when he had to but at times he'll just be a little bit more more calm and coach l was the complete opposite you know sometimes i remember it it, it kind of it, it was an adjustment like to play with coach l after playing for frank because even though i played for bruce weber as well one year um it, it just the approach is completely different like they he everything is about positivity with Coachell to the extent that whenever you miss class or whenever you do what you're not supposed to do it's not called a punishment it's called a reminder because punishment is a negative word so he wants to remind you that you need to be better like and so it used to bother me I'm not gonna lie and I would tell coach Caputo I'm like oh like you need to be tougher with this guy this guy not because I'm used to I'm used to yeah. being like that and people being like that with me, I can handle it. So I thought everybody can handle it, but they do well adjusting to different players, different personalities. So um, I always say that whenever I I, uh, I decide to coach, which is is what I would love to do once I'm done playing, I'm so blessed and so fortunate that I can take stuff from Frank. That some qualities that Frank had. Bruce Weber didn't have and some qualities that Bruce Weber didn't have coach L had and shaky. And, and so I, I can blend them all together and hopefully be a good coach because again, even Bruce Weber, we don't, we, 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 we didn't right. really talk about him, but guy made it to the final four and all of that. So he's, he's got a big, I mean, we won a championship together in the big 12. So why was Miami the right place for you when you decided to leave? We, we kind of mentioned where they fit in at the beginning, why were they? Why was Coach L? Why why did that become the place that that you you wanted to be? Um first of all, the palm trees, man. Come on. No, no. Uh, I, oh, yeah, I, right, right. I, well, you probably, it probably didn't take a lot, right? Actually, now that I think after you <laughs> described Manhattan, Kansas, it probably didn't take a lot, right? <laughs> no, no, it's it's funny, but no, I I, I uh Again, we were having a lot of success in, in Kansas State, and but I was still keeping up with other schools, and I saw what Coach L had going on with the U and Shane Larkin and those guys, and I'm like, wow, like that they're home right now, like uh, that's crazy. I never saw the U doing as well as, for as long as I've been in Miami. So that immediately to me was like, wow. And at the time, I was going through something. Um, family was going through something that I really wanted to get close to them. So 
obviously that's how kind of everything started. But once I met Coachell, you know, him and the staff, the way they treat their approach to everything was just like I have never seen before. I've been to obviously many, many visits, but when I took mine down there and I saw that Coach Hill would, would have a translator for my mom because he wanted her to know every single word that Coach Hill was saying to me. Everything that was talked about, that was being talked about, he wanted her to know and be part of it, even though obviously she doesn't speak the language. So even if Coach Hill said, it's a nice building, right? Like, and the guy didn't say, he was like, hey, tell her, it's a nice building, right? You know, like, legit and that to me meant the world like because it's different you know typically they're not gonna they're gonna do everything in their power to to get you to like the school but that's just you have to be very genuine to to think of that you know and what so did she think of that she loved it she loved it and in a way knowing me i'm like all right the visit went amazing like i connected well with these coaches i love everything about them but we know I'm being recruited. It's too good to be true. Once I sign, some things are going to change. No, nothing changed. Like the way they treated us was still the same. I mean, I still have a, a relationship with them. I remember being in France, playing my first year as a professional coach. He'll FaceTime me early in the morning. And he just wanted to catch up, you know, like in my head, I'm like, I don't play for you anymore. Why are you doing this? But it's because he cares, man. He cares. And Caputo's the same. Caputo, anything, if I ever need help or advice with something or for him to connect me with someone for whatever reason, typically people say, okay, let me work on it. And you got to send him a text next week. Like, Hey, any update? The guy gets back to you right away. Like, because they care about you. Like they have so much in their plate, but they really care about you. And that's, you don't have this much success and by being a bad person you know you have to be very genuine and, and they are it goes far beyond basketball so i want to talk about coach all in, in, a, in a few uh but the one thing i did want to ask is how hard is sitting out how what how hard is sitting out how hard is that because obviously there's no port right there's no that it's, it was different right so how hard was sitting out yeah that was that was very challenging but um for me at the time I was like uh, struggling with one of my knees. So it was actually good for me to take the time and get healthy. And I've been away from my, from Miami for two years. So why not catch up on having fun? The truth comes out, had a good time. <laughs> Yeah, so you probably had a couple of reminders then, right? You probably had a couple of reminders from Coach L. Yeah, yeah, I had, I had a few. I had a few. I, I, I mean, few. I wasn't perfect. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> it was the charm, though. It was the yeah. charm. That, that, that guy. <laughs> all right, so you, you want to be a coach? Um, and I was, uh, I was just talking to Joe Zagaki the other night, and it, you just watch Coach L in, in awe. Like he's just a genius. Like he's just such a good genius. basketball coach. What is it? You know, I don't know what it is about Coach Hill, how he manages sometimes to just be so poised. Like, yesterday I'm watching the game, and obviously I'm watching it as a fan. And when I watch games and when I play, the approach is completely different. Like, no matter what, what's going on, 
in the game and I'm playing, I remain very calm. Like when I'm watching a game, I'm like, what are you, come on, no, like, let's go. Like, that. you know, <laughs> my heart starts beating. Like I get anxious. And so I see, I see a couple of things go wrong. Guys either made a bad decision or whatever, which it happens, you know, in a crucial time. And they put the camera on Coach L's face and he's like this, like, you know, and I'm just like, you see, like, that's why guys do so well with him, not only because they appreciate him as a person, but because he, he just shows um, confidence. He remains calm in, in times of pressure. Now he might go crazy behind the scenes when, the players are not around like why why do you do that we don't know but when we're around he just shows like he's poised he's under control and and that matters a lot you know when coaches freak out and you do something wrong it's like you already know you did something wrong you don't the last thing you need is somebody just beating you down on that you kind of want to move on from that so you can do better the next possession or whatever so i don't know what he does I don't know how he did it. Obviously, he's got a lot of years of experience. He's got a great staff. Um, recruits the right guys. But he does it, man. And I and I if there's, you know, the other day when I when I saw he signed the extension, I'm telling my wife, I'm like, yo, he needs to sign a couple more. Like, I would love to coach one year with him. But basketball is just going so good right now. I can't stop playing to coach like. But that'll be that'll be, you know, like I I. I love you would embrace that right you would embrace working for him yes yes him or Caputo like they're both um I have a very very good relationship with both and I and I like both of them uh as coaches you know different ideas different approach but uh, that would that would be a dream come true for me so um as as a we talked about this before we started recording so do you think you appreciated playing for Coach L maybe a little more or a little differently only because you were older? Like, do you think that helped at all or no? It would have been the same either way. No, I think, um, again, my personality has always been like, I appreciate um, honesty. I appreciate genuine um um, actions. I appreciate just good, good people in general. And so that doesn't mean that you're going to, you're going to do everything that I want for you to be a good person. Right. I understand that sometimes we're not going to agree on stuff. So I think I would have appreciated regardless, um, if I was young or, or a vet. Um, but obviously having having uh, two different coaches before it made me appreciate more the way he is. And and it also made me um, help the young guys understand, like, listen, this isn't always like this. Like you can go to 200 other schools and I promise you the dynamic is not going to be like this don't take advantage of this in a negative way where you kind of take advantage of it and you do whatever the hell you want, because you know, you're going to get a reminder, not a punishment. Like 
do right by people that do right, you know, by like for you. So it's that that was kind of my my approach, and I think it helped the 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 younger guys. And then when when guys like Lonnie Bruce would come and. Um, now Kamari Murphy and Davon Reed would rely the same message to those guys. And so that's why the formula kind of kept working. Sheldon, did you work on getting Sheldon with you? Was that a sort of a tag team operation or no? <laughs> no, I, I didn't. I mean, obviously we played against each other and we knew of each other, but we didn't have a relationship at all. Obviously he entered, he enters the, the transfer portal and I enter it. I ended up committing and signing with Miami and so once I did, and Coach and uh, Caputo told me, well, Sheldon is on the transfer, and I'm like, all right, I can get him. Like, <laughs> I I can get involved in this. Like, I I I want to host when he comes on a visit, and it was it was easy because we we relay. I mean, we rely on so much, like things that he probably went through with, you know, in Texas. We can relate same conference. We respected each other's game. We can see each other playing together. And so it was, it was an easy, easy uh, recruiting process for me. I got you. So you, so you just, it's in you, bro. It's in you. You'll be a yeah, coach. Yeah. Be no problem. Be no <laughs> yeah. problem. All right. So you mentioned before a couple more things. You mentioned before Wichita State was the most fun. Was it your best game? Um, the only reason why I say yes is because is win or go home. There's no tomorrow. And so the stakes were high and I, and I, we deliver as a team, but right now it's, it's you and I talking. So yeah, you can brag a little bit. Sorry. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I think so. Where's the Gator shot rank though. <sighs> wow. That was nasty. That was. Cause there's a little, there's a little situational stuff there. That's road enemy dagger yeah 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 come back um wow that was that's man that's 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 top three moments right there well then what's third duke <sighs> of course you go to cameron indoor and you you beat like you basically just send them home sad that's crazy man so I mean, you obviously, so that's where you want. That's the only school that of Carolina. I remember you saying that was like the only schools you really knew. So what was it like to be there? And then obviously you're walking off with it. I mean, I was funny. I was telling a football coach this year, the team needed to win. I was like, man, there's I said, hey, listen. There's something better than a win. He looks at me like, what's better than a win? I go a road win and getting back on the plane, man. What? Seriously, though. No, and I mean, add, I, and then add Cameron into that. And it's like, dude. Yeah. You know, in the, in, in the moment, you're so caught up on, at least me, on the task that you don't really understand or appreciate everything. And obviously now you look back and you're like, wow, like, because people ask me like, yo, um, was that the crazy as craziest atmosphere? And I was like, to be honest, Kansas was like, maybe it's because we, we were able to control the crowd at Duke, right? Like maybe that's why. Obviously it was crazy, but I don't know, man. Um it's it's hard to digest it in the moment, but now you look back and you're like, I was I was actually thinking of going to 
to the Duke game when we played there this year and we beat them. And I, for some reason, I got the dates wrong. I thought it was the following week. And so I messed up. So I'll forever regret it because that was Coach Coach Case also last year. Last year. So, but your resume, Angel, your resume, I think you beat Duke twice. If I have this right, I think you huh? beat Florida State three out of four, beat Florida twice. That's pretty good. That's a pretty good bragging rights. It's not bad. It's not bad. <laughs> it's not bad. But I also, did you really lose to, I checked this five times. Did you guys really lose to Eastern Kentucky? Did that happen? Yeah. That was the year we didn't even make it to the tournament. I know, but I literally checked the box score like three times. of like, that can't be that. I mean, I know. That's, that's the game that kept us from, from making the tournament. Like, it was a very up and down year. Started on fire. Didn't, you know, we got cold at the end or whatever. But, um. But yeah, that was, man, that was, and again, for the following year, when we would play teams that we're supposed to beat, we beat them, like beat them because we knew that feeling was terrible. Like, you know what it's like to go back to the locker room at home? No, no disrespect to them, but obviously knowing that you shouldn't they shouldn't them. beat you, they, right. they shouldn't beat you. And they do like it. It was a bad feeling, man. All right. Last thing. We, um, so I want this out there. Um, uh, just your how happy you are for the season Miami's having, Coach L's having. Obviously, the last few years were hard. Uh, we obviously know the amount of joy and love and respect you have for Coach that they've had this season. They're in the tournament. He's got an extension, right? Like Miami basketball is in a good place. Yes. Um, well, I'm, I'm truly happy, number one, for the guys, right? For the players, they... I know all the transfer, you, you, you go to a new situation, hoping to make the most out of it. And they've, they certainly, they've certainly done that. I'm just happy for the guys that they've, they've, they've been able to do something special in Miami. Um, they made the most out of it. They make me a, a proud alumni and I'm happy for the coaches because I know how this business is. And I know you can be up here one year and without a job the next year, and so, obviously, they've been through a lot. But, again, when you do right by people, God always takes care of you. And I'm, I'm happy that Coach Hill signed that extension. Hopefully, many more to come. And the day that he, reti he retires, I hope Caputo gets the job so he, he can continue to do good things for the U. All right, Angel. I, I hear your son in the background. I don't want to keep it from him anymore. Um, thank you for everything. Thank you for sharing your whole story. Thank you for taking us. Uh, the, the goal of this is to go behind the U. So thanks for taking us behind your whole story. Um, it's a great, it's a great week, right? It's tournament week. It's yes. March Madness, man, and nothing more fun than this. And you were a huge part of that. Kane's Hoops is, uh, you're a big part of it, and we appreciate you taking the time. Thank you, Josh. It's been a pleasure, man. <laughs>